Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors and over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. Welcome. You are listening to Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston, New England's oldest African-American church. Hope and Faith Ministry features the inspirational sermons of my father, Dr. Wesley Roberts, Senior Pastor at People's Baptist Church. We're so glad you're here. Dr. Roberts has a powerful message of hope and love for your life and mine. Now enjoy this broadcast of Hope and Faith Ministry, brought to you from People's Baptist Church of Boston. The title of the message today is Face to Face with God. A number of years ago, a woman in Kansas City walked into a haagen ice cream shop at the Plaza Shopping Center. While waiting, she turned to find actor Paul Newman standing behind her. He was in town filming a movie and was now standing behind uh, one of his biggest fans. He smiled at her and said, hello. She took one look at his blue eyes and her knees almost buckled. Her heart was in her throat. She tried to speak, but not a sound came out. She turned around, paid for the ice cream, then quickly uh, walked out of the store. Outside, she sat down on a bench and caught her breath. As she calmed down, she realized she didn't have her ice cream cone. (laughs) And she was debating uh, walking back into the store to get it when Paul Newman walked out. You looking for your ice cream cone, he he asked. Speechless again, she nodded. You put it in your purse with your change. (laughs) If you and I were to come face-to-face this celebrity that we adore, admire, perhaps we would um, behave in much the same way. Our generation is infatuated with celebrities, movie stars, rock stars, athletic superstars, dominate the headlines of our magazines, tabloids, TV programming, and social media. We love to read about their lavish lifestyles and ruined relationships. And so as I began thinking about um, uh, what we sort of prize today and what we like to to, uh, focus on today, the thought came to me that there's something wrong with the way we view, view things. Why is it that we can enter into the presence of the God of the universe, the one who created us all and who has all power in his hands, and simply yawn and 
and and shrug. No sense of the of the the importance of the moment when we are in God's presence. Throughout biblical history, just a handful of people were given glimpses of God, and they all struggled to describe what happened. Perhaps the clearest record uh, of such an encounter was recorded by the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah described the circumstances surrounding his encounter with God in the year that King Uzziah died. Unlike so many of the prophets, like Amos and Hosea, Isaiah was born into relative wealth and position. He was a member of the royal court, a historian, an advisor, and confidant of the king. Isaiah's encounter with God occurred during a time of personal tragedy, a time of loss. The man who died was not only his employer, but also his friend. King Uzziah reigned in Israel for 52 years. And during that time, Israel experienced perhaps the longest sustained period of prosperity in its history. Now the king was dead. What would happen to Israel? Would there be civil war, economic depression? Who would ascend to the throne? Would the next king honor God and seek to be a spiritual leader for Israel? In the middle of all of this confusion and uncertainty, Isaiah went into the temple to worship. And there he found himself face to face with God. I'll bet some of you listening to me today are in the midst of confusion and uncertainty about what's going on in your life. Uncertainty about your job, uncertainty about your relationship with your spouse or children or relatives, uncertain about your financial situation, uncertain about how you are going to pay the bills coming due soon, uncertain about your, your health and the diagnosis that the doctor has given you. Wouldn't it be great in times of, of bad news and painful experiences if you could experience God face to face like Isaiah did? The passage which was read for us tells us that we can, when we gather together for Sunday morning worship, I'm not sure that we always come expecting a life-changing encounter with God. Many people will be in church this morning, but not all of them will experience worship as it was meant to be. Worship is not a church meeting, although it can occur there. Worship is not just the singing of a favorite religious hymns and songs, although music plays a vital part in, in worship. Real worship occurs when we experience the empowering presence of the living Lord and respond accordingly. But so let us look at how Isaiah reacted to the presence of God and discover how worship can change our lives permanently. First, Isaiah was overwhelmed with God's presence. 
he was overwhelmed with God's presence. In Isaiah chapter 6, 1 through 4, we read, In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Hovering around him were mighty seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with the remaining two they flew. In a great chorus they sang, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. The the glorious singing shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire sanctuary was filled with smoke. Isaiah was no stranger to the presence of royalty, but nothing that he had seen in King Isaiah's court prepared him for a glimpse of the heavenly court. This vision reveals God whose symbols of royalty, his throne and his robe are so large that they fill the entire sanctuary. A God so high and holy and and almighty that even the heavenly beings dare not look him in the eye, but cover their faces with their wings. They cover their feet as well, a gesture of humility and reverence. And the sounds of, of praise that came from the mouth of these heavenly beings was so overwhelming that the ground shook and the room filled with smoke, symbolic of God's presence at their worship. So when was the last time that you stood in awe of God? When was the last time that worship shook you to the very core of your being? When was the last time that you were overwhelmed by the sense of God's presence? So we have much to learn about approaching God with the reverence and honor due to him. We need to guard against a casual, indifferent attitude when we enter into the presence of God. This doesn't mean that we must be stiff, formal, or stuffy. Genuine worship includes joy and celebration. We must remember that the Lord is more powerful and more holy than our ability to describe him. And we must never approach such awesomeness in a routine manner. When we enter the house of worship, our focus should be the greatness, the goodness, and the grace of God, not on ourselves and our needs. We are God's children, but our close relationship with him should never lessen the impact of his holiness. So our first reaction to, the, uh, to a face-to-face encounter with God uh, should be an overwhelming sense of his presence. But secondly, Isaiah was overwhelmed with his own sinfulness. He was overwhelmed with his own sinfulness. Verse 5, Isaiah 6 and verse 5, in the contemporary English version we read, 
Then I cried out, I'm doomed. Everything I say is sinful, and so are the words of everyone around me. Yet I've seen the King, the Lord All-Powerful. And the same verse in the New Living Translation, second edition. Then I said, it's all over. I am doomed, for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of Heaven's armies. See, when we compare ourselves to others, we invariably find someone whose flaws make us look good. And we think that we are better than others. And I've heard people say that all the time, that I'm, I'm so much better than the people who go to church every Sunday. Well, that's not the way the Lord um, judges us or expects us to, to think when we are in his presence we recognize that we are sinful human beings. Isaiah's reaction to God's holy presence was an awareness of his sinfulness. His response was, I'm a man of unclean lips, or I'm a foul-mouthed sinner. You see, when we encounter God in worship, our sins will flash on the screen of our conscience and we will experience a deep sense of guilt. After Isaiah confessed his own sin, he goes on to say, I live among a people of filthy lips or unclean lips. It's a sin is not just personal, but also has a social impact. A people of filthy lips symbolizes corruption at the very heart of the culture. Think of our own generation, the times in which we live. Our propensity for profanity and vulgarity are merely symptoms of a deep spiritual void. When you hear in D.C., at least the president this past week, speaking profane language in the, in the White House, in the People's House, you know that there's something wrong with our society and those who simply cheer don't really understand what we are about and what God expects of us so when you go to the movies and hear obscenities in every sentence or hear obscenities scattered throughout uh, the conversation at work, at school at the gym or the beauty salon or in our homes you know that our culture is in deep trouble. Sin has social consequences as well. Statistical reports show that 70 to 90 percent of the perpetrators of domestic violence and sexual abuse learn the behavior as either victims or witnesses of violence and abuse. Gossip, slander, and foul language are also learned behavior. We cannot engage in these sins without others around us not being affected negatively. We cannot worship authentically with a filthy mouth and a sinful heart. When the presence of God brings conviction of sin, two things can happen to us. 
our first reaction is to run to simply escape the presence of holiness. And that's why there are some people who, when they know their lives are not right, they stop coming to church because they don't want to be confronted by their sinfulness in the very presence of a holy God. The second reaction is like Isaiah's. A feel to feel the burden of our sin and acknowledge it before God. That is so difficult to do. Yet it is absolutely necessary if we are to be changed by God's presence. When Isaiah encountered God face to face, he was overwhelmed with God's holiness and overwhelmed with his own sinfulness. And thirdly, Isaiah was overwhelmed with God's grace. Yes, yes. Verses 6 and, and 7 says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongues. He touched my lips with it and said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. He said at the moment of Isaiah's confession of guilt, God responded not with the fiery sword of judgment, but with forgiveness. The man who wrote the words to one of our favorite hymns, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound That Saved a Wretch Like Me, was not waxing eloquent when he wrote these words. John Newton's mother died when he was only nine years old. At age 11, he went to sea with his father. He served in the Royal Navy on a British warship, and after leaving the military service, he joined the crew of a slave trading ship. In just a few years, he bought his own ship and made a fortune transporting slaves from Africa to the West Indies. In 1754, after reading Thomas Akempis's book, The Imitation of Christ, and surviving a terrible shipwreck, he left sea and gave his life to Jesus Christ. When he died in 1807, he was buried in the yard or on the grounds of the church which he served for 27 years. And his gravestone still bears the epitaph he wrote himself. And it says, John Newton, cleric, once an infidel and libertine, a merchant of slaves in Africa, was by the rich mercy of our God, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, preserved, restored, pardoned, and appointed to preach the faith he had labored long to destroy. Like Isaiah, John Newton was overwhelmed with his own sinfulness. And like the prophet, he was overwhelmed by the amazing grace of God that could save a wretch like him. This, there, there is a fourth response that is called for when we come face to face with God. And it is, uh, Isaiah had an overwhelming desire to serve God. 
had an overwhelming desire to serve God. When John Newton was confronted with amazing grace, his, his response was to serve the Lord till the day he died. In the last years of his ministry, the church appointed an assistant to stand beside him in the pulpit and point to his notes whenever his feeble mind would wander. When asked about retirement, the old man responded, why should an old blasphemer like me stop when he can still speak? As for Isaiah, the Bible doesn't tell us what happened to him when he responded to God's call to serve. But other historical records tell us that he was tied between two, two boards and sawed in two under the orders of the evil king Manasseh. You can look at uh, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 37 to see what is mentioned there. Hundreds of thousands of believers have suffered hardship beyond imagination, yet considered it a joy and a privilege to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because they have been face to face with the living God. They have been overwhelmed by his holy presence. They have come to terms with their sinful nature. And they have sensed the Lord's amazing grace and responded with a life of loving service. As Christians, we don't serve God to earn his favor. We serve him because of his favor. When was the last time you experienced God's awesome presence? My prayer is that you will be so overwhelmed by God's presence that your life will never be the same again. Some of you have spent so much time involved in religious activities that you have lost the awe and the wonder of um, being a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to see the Lord high and lifted up in all of his glory and majesty once again. Others of you have gone too long without acknowledging your sins to God. You need to confess your sins to him. And others of you are painfully aware of sin and destructive behavior in your life. What you need is an encounter with God's amazing grace this day. You need to hear him say, your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. And it may be that some of you have grown so cold toward God that you no longer serve him out of gratitude and love. You may still hold an office, but you, but you um, serve out of obligation, guilt, and, or routine. What you need is an encounter with the living God again that can inspire you and propel you uh, to serve God. Without just without complaining, yes. we need to go before the Lord and say, Lord, here am I, send me to do whatever you want me to do. I'm available, Lord. My life is at your disposal. Whatever the condition of your heart today, God is 
waiting to meet you at the point of your need. God, through his grace, will forgive your sins, give you a new heart, help you to overcome your bad habits, relieve you of your doubts and fears, and put a song of praise on your lips. With his power, he will protect you. With his wisdom, he will instruct you. With his word, he will teach you. With his spirit, he will empower you. With his presence, he will encourage you. With his touch, he will heal you. With his peace, he will calm you. With his abundance, he will supply your every need. And with his voice, he will comfort you. This God of whom I speak will lift you up when you're down, strengthen you when you're weak, comfort you when you're grieving, and protect you when you're in danger. What a blessing it is to surrender one's life to the one whose incredible love led to his death on Calvary's cross so that we might receive eternal life. So when we choose to make Christ our Savior and Lord, then we are given the right to enjoy the forgiveness of God, the peace of God, the blessings of God, the comfort of God, the grace of God, the power of God, the miracles of God, the provisions of God, and the promises of God. And don't forget, there's no problem that God cannot solve. There's no situation that God cannot change. There's no hardship that God cannot help you through. There's no sorrow that God cannot comfort. There's no burden that God cannot lift. There's no crisis that God cannot handle. There's no doubt that God cannot dissolve. There's no enemy that God cannot subdue. There's no hurt that God cannot heal. And there's no storm that God cannot calm. And there is no sinner that God cannot forgive. And so we say today, what a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty, mighty God we serve. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us here at Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston. We pray that you have been touched and inspired by today's message. People's Baptist Church is a Christ-centered, caring church located at 134 Camden Street at the corner of Camden and Tremont Streets. Our Sunday services are at 8 a.m. and at 1045 a.m. You can reach us at 617 617- 427-0424. Come visit us in person or on the web at www.pbcboston.org and tune in every Saturday morning at 10:30 for another inspiring message of hope and faith.